Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. We're back, and it's 2024. It's Tuesday, January 2nd. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. And the studio uh, with us is... uh, a uh, former first deputy mayor, uh, Rudy Washington, and uh, rumored he might be related to George Washington. And I expect to get the due respect <laughs> of being the great great grandson. Well, Happy New Year well, to think, our listeners. I, I think, think it's great 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 great. Yeah, or great great. He's pretty great. I would say that. Let's just say he's a great and, uh, guy. <laughs> on my side, we got Rita Cosby. And how are you, Rita? I'm doing great, but this has been a wild news day already, John. Oh, my God. I mean, first, we had the, the president of Harvard uh, finally resigned. Finally, but she's still there. She's still there. And, and Rudy, she's claiming racism. She said today in her statement that uh, these racial attacks against Against her, I, I mean, come on, Rudy. You can she's make- the one that plagiarized, not me. Yeah, and she's the one who, before Congress, when she was asked before Congress, yeah. isn't uh, the genocide of Jews? Isn't that something you should condemn? Um, Doesn't that go against your school policies? Well, we're it was like have, maybe we're going to have uh, Alan Dershowitz uh, here in a few minutes. And he'll he'll tell us how the heck he feels about it. Absolutely. And by the way, some big breaking news too. Also, that now just in the last few minutes, President Trump has appealed uh, the ban by Maine. That was that Secretary of State John who was trying to kick Trump off the ballot, saying he caused an insurrection, and he's appealing all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, so I can't wait to ask Dershowitz about that one too. A lot. This has all happened the I last mean, few is minutes. Is this the one in Maine? And she's not even a lawyer, I understand. She doesn't understand the law. Then doesn't understand what's been written. She's never. She wasn't elected. I believe she was appointed. Yeah, and she is a Trump. She's a Biden elector. She's she's like a, a Biden sycophant. I mean, I think it just opens such a dangerous door. What if, like Rudy, you and I were talking? What if suddenly a GOP Secretary exactly. of State says, "I want to kick off Biden for this"? I mean, because look, let's face it. Uh, January 6th was a narrative created by Democrats just to run through a, a year of, of hearings and everything else. Uh, there was no insurrection. It was a riot. It was ugly scene, and people should be punished. But at the end of the day, the maximum charge there should have been trespassing. You know, and, and we've seen countless times where people go in, disrupt hearings, such as when I believe Kavanaugh, uh, one of the justices, they came in and disrupt. I mean, so... It, this is horrible because the, the stakes are too high to be playing uh, politics and party politics first and not the country first. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, not, it's not about being a Republican, not exactly. about being a Democrat. It's being an American. Exactly. My God, I mean, they, they are pouring through our borders. There, there are people just coming through the borders unchecked. But we don't know who they are. But can't they're doctors, they're lawyers. Right. Yeah, we we don't even know. By the way, Corinne Jean Pierre, the White House press secretary, said today Biden is doing all he can. 
I want to know if she, maybe she's drinking some more eggnog from Christmas. They don't pay her enough. <laughs> they don't pay her enough. <laughs> that is for sure. Is Mr. Dershowitz on you? I understand. We just got him. Uh, the great Professor Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law School emeritus professor, also has a great new book, The War Against the Jews. Uh, professor Dershowitz, a uh, huge news to get to. Let's first get to uh, the fact that Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, has resigned, forced out. Your reaction? Well, she was forced out. There's no question that she began to lose the support of some board members. And without unanimity, she really couldn't stay on. But this is only the beginning. She's still left behind the legacy that got her appointed, DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, which is the opposite of meritocracy and the opposite of uh, judging people on the merits. And so unless we can get rid of this uh, bureaucracy uh, in which the world is divided into two groups, the oppressed and the oppressors, and the oppressed can do no wrong and the oppressors can do no right, we're still going to have a problem. She was a symptom of that, but the big problem still exists. But Harvard is better off, universities are better off, the United States and the world is better off. And so uh, with her being gone, and so I'm very glad it resulted in that. Now, I mean, are you okay with her staying on teaching the students? And- Here's my feeling on that. I want to have an objective uh, assessment of her scholarship by people who don't have a dog in the fight, either people who are on her side or against her side. I want to see Harvard appoint a committee of three very distinguished scholars, maybe perhaps former presidents of a university, Uh, who have no uh, subjectivity on this, who are completely objective, let them look at her scholarship and make the kind of decision that would ordinarily be made. Would it Uh, be a secret vote? (laughs) No, I think it should be a public public report. Uh, Not just a vote. It should be a report where they go through each of the allegations. There are some that are serious and some that are less serious. And, um, you know, it, it has to be studied in great detail. That's what happened uh, with other people, I represented a student who was charged with plagiarism, and he almost lost his uh, ability to go to medical school. We took it to federal court. We won the case. But, uh, you know, Harvard has applied very, very tough standards to students, much tougher than they originally applied to a president. And, of course, as she left in her letter, she blamed everybody yeah. well, but herself. Yeah. She blamed racism. You know, somebody sent me a very funny spoof. It took apart her letter of resignation and said this part of it was plagiarized, this part of it was plagiarized. (laughs) (laughs) She plagiarized her acknowledgments in her, you know, Ph.D. thesis. You know, the one thing you love if you're an author is to write acknowledgments from the heart. You know, my wife has been so supportive of me and corrected all my errors. I love writing those things. The idea that you borrow the acknowledgments from somebody else shows that she just didn't have. She has she she doesn't have the internal clock that motivates her. Even her testimony was written for her. It was scripted for her. And Stefanik tore it apart. Um, but, Stefanik from Harvard, too. So, you know, Harvard versus Harvard and Stefanik won. Professor, <laughs> uh, this is Rudy Washington. Uh, d- does she have tenure? She has tenure and she was the dean. She did a terrible thing as dean. She fired Ron Sullivan, one of the great lawyers in America, who was the, used to call him the master, they can't use that word anymore, he was the dean of one of the colleges, and the first African-American dean, and he got fired uh, because he represented Harvey Weinstein. Hey, that's not a reason for firing somebody. Um, I represented worse people. I represented worse people. 
And then she also fired a guy named Fryer, another African-American professor who was very conservative and did a study of actual police shootings uh, in a city. I forget which city it was in the Midwest and came to the conclusion that race was not a major factor in the use of police. Yeah, that was, was, was that around 2020 or 2019? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. saw it. Professor yeah. Fryer. And, and uh, he got suspended um, by her. Wow. So she's never mm. been a big advocate of freedom of speech. She discovered free speech when hate speech was directed against Jews. Until that, oh, my God, you know, you can fire people for all kinds of reasons involving free speech. So it's a good thing for Harvard that she's gone. She was never qualified to get the job in the first place. And now I think they have to really hire the most qualified person. They should look around for you know, Albert Einstein, if they could get him back. Uh, but somebody uh, who is so above reproach um, uh, has to become the president of Harvard to send the message that we believe in meritocracy. We believe that hard work. And by the way, meritocracy helps poor people, helps African-American people, helps minorities, helps uh, uh, Hispanic minorities. It's, it's a way up. It's a way of it's what's fair and square. catching up uh, with people who have fancy na- names and fancy families and fancy backgrounds. Look, when I went to Yale Law School, I came from Brooklyn. Nobody in my family had gone to college. I had no contacts. Everybody in my class was, you know, on the Mayflower. And um, I, the only way I could succeed was to get better grades. But now they've abolished grades in many schools. And everybody gets an A, which means nobody gets an A. Yeah, fair and square. Um, I, before we let you go, Professor Alan Dershowitz, your reaction to the fact that now um, President Trump has also appealed uh, his team to the U.S. Supreme Court on Maine. We were talking about the Secretary of State. That's uh, the easiest case. I know. I, I, that's why. Case, I, yeah. What do you think it means? And and obviously, do you think now the Supreme Court, do you think they're going to take up these challenges to kick them off? I do. My hope is that it's nine to nothing. I don't know whether it will be or not, um, but it should be. And um, um, but it will be I think it will be reversed. I can't imagine the Supreme Court allowing state by state to decide who's on the ballot. Remember who wrote the 14th Amendment? It was radical reconstructionist Republicans following Lincoln. And uh, the last people they wanted to decide who's on the ballot are people from South Mm -hmm. Carolina and Virginia. Those are the Confederate states. They wanted it to be left to Congress. And so Article 5 of the 14th Amendment says Congress, not the states, Congress will have the power to enforce these provisions. And they didn't do anything to enforce the disqualification provision. Professor, anything else on your mind you want to get off your chest? Yeah, you know, uh, Israel is being hauled before the International Criminal Court. Uh, by South Africa for genocide. Yeah, that, I, when I saw that, I no thought switch. that was a joke. Yeah, we're all laughing of <laughs> no, all places, serious. right? <laughs> it's serious. And, you know, uh, Israel has said it's prepared to defend itself, and, and I hope they do. And um, they have to, you know, fight back. Because if Israel can be found guilty of genocide, so could the United States. By the, know, by the uh, way, there is a rumor out there that Netanyahu has asked you to somehow help uh, to uh, defend Israel. Well, I can't comment on that, but it would be, of course, a great honor if I could help Israel. Anyway, if I, was 25 years old, if I were 25 years old, I'd be in Gaza today uh, with a with an Uzi defending Israel 
but I'm 85 years old, and so I don't think any army wants me. But if, if I was 55 I, years old, I'd be running for mayor. I would take either or one of you guys in the fight. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank you, Alan Dershowitz. Uh, my pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Professor. And uh, we have with us now Ambassador John Bolton, former ambassador to the U.N., and we were just talking about Israel with Professor Dershowitz. And uh, you can't make this one up, uh, for, uh, Ambassador Bolton. Did you hear that now, uh, you know, Israel took a strike um, and they took out a number two guy in Hamas in Beirut. He was in a car and now Hamas is coming out and saying it was a war crime and a terrorist action by Israel. I, I mean, this is the the rhetoric is incredible. Well, this is how authoritarians, terrorists, uh, our adversaries take our own rhetoric and use it back against us. And since truth doesn't matter to them, uh, they can say pretty much anything they want. I think this what that shows uh, is that Israel really got a top target today. And for all the Hamas leadership that's in Lebanon or Turkey or other places around the region who think they're going to be immune, uh, I think this is a very clear signal they better think again. Yeah, that is, I mean, it's incredible how they got him. (laughs) Ambassador, uh, nobody seems to know what the heck is going on. Uh, uh, Is France, Spain, and Italy on our side this week? Uh, Is Saudi Arabia on our side? Whose side is who's on? I mean, have you got a scoreboard yet? Well, you need, you need a program, that's for sure, because, uh, because everybody's all split up for, for, for various reasons. And, and the, the fundamental problem here is there's no clear American leadership. Uh, some of these countries are going to be problems for us. Spain apparently is not going to, not going to, uh, help out uh, against the Houthis because they object to our policy on Gaza. Uh, I mean, this is, they're going to try and use the European Union to block, uh, uh others coming with us. We've got to do what what is in the national interest of the United States. And, you know, they have fired on uh, American naval vessels. The Houthis have They've fired on uh, commercial ships from around the world. And, you know, it's been a principle of the United States since before we were a country that freedom of the seas was critical. And it's always been a cornerstone of our national security policy. So uh, this is something we'll do. The Brits will come with us. And, and uh, frankly, whoever else comes along, that's great. But we and the Brits can do this on our own. The reports are that uh, our people have been given the go-ahead to react to every to any fired uh, fired shots against us, and then there was denials. And I mean, what is do you have? What is truth? Well, I look. I think it was right for the for the uh, United States to take out these three Houthi boats that were. Uh, threatening ships in the Red Sea. But the policy you've just announced, which is fine, I agree with that policy, but it's not enough because it puts us in the position of waiting until we're attacked. Our people in Syria and Iraq, military and civilian, are at risk now from these Shia militia. Uh, and, you know, Franklin Roosevelt, before World War II, uh, authorized American uh, naval vessels and commercial vessels to fire first against Nazi submarines in the North Atlantic before we were ever at war, because he said you don't have to wait for a rattlesnake to, to attack before you kill it. And I think that that's what our attitude here ought to be. We know uh, where this is coming from, from the Houthi positions in Yemen. We can find them. It may take a little bit, given the geography. We can find them. We can destroy them. And we can tell Iran that if they don't get their proxies under control, uh, they're going to be next because until they feel pain, 
they're going to continue to threaten and someday kill our people. And I don't think we ought to leave them uh, basically as tethered goats while we wait for Iran to attack. Uh, hey, it makes it it makes our armed forces it makes them feel second class. Yeah, if it's it's one thing to be put in a dangerous position. Uh, uh, because the country's security requires it. But there's nothing here that requires us basically to sacrifice these people before we act. I mean, I think congressional hearings ought to be held on why we're not going after uh, the government of Iran, which for 15 years or more in Iraq and Syria and elsewhere in the region has been targeting Americans and killing with uh, with weapons that they've sent to Shia militia and others in Iraq and Syria, killing and wounding our soldiers. This This is... Sad to say, nothing new, but we have not responded effectively to it by and large. Ambassador, this is uh, Rudy Washington. Um, do you think uh, this, um, when they took out this leader in Lebanon, which is the home of Hezbollah, is going to engage them? That's question one. And then the second question is the danger of Iran moving uh, a flotilla or ships, warships, into the Red Sea. Uh, when you have so many countries operating there that I, I can only see there's going to be a clash. Yeah, look, I, I think this is a very important point you're making. Those, those Iranian uh, warships don't need to be in the Red Sea except to help the Houthis. And uh, we've seen public reporting there. There have been Iranian assets in the Red Sea already. They ought to be subject to visiting the bottom of the Red Sea if these attacks don't stop. Uh, and I think the, the point you make about Hezbollah helps frame the picture. This this is one chessboard here. It's not separate, purely coincidental activity by the Houthis in uh, the Red Sea, by Hamas in Israel, by Hezbollah in Lebanon, by Shia militia in Iraq and Syria. This is all part of the Iraqi, uh, sorry, the Iranian uh, ring of fire strategy. It's coordinated by them. It's uh, it's their idea. It's their weapons, their training that's uh, being being uh, displayed here. And until you look at this as one chessboard and finger the party responsible, which is Iran, you're never going to have an effective response. You will not establish deterrence that would put commercial vessels, American personnel, American ships, and by the way, Israel, uh, beyond threat of attack. You know what's amazing to me, Ambassador John Bolton, is what you just touched on, that there should be congressional hearings. I mean, here are all these things happening. We're not even going after the basic sanctions our Biden administration isn't on Iran. And also the Houthis, which is this group that's firing on U.S. ships and all these things that's happening on the Red Sea, Iranian-backed, they were taken off the foreign terrorist organization list by Biden in February 2021. He hasn't even put him back on after all you know, these that's attacks. An absolute minimum. No, that's an right. absolute minimum. Exactly right. I mean, this is the this is the display of the administration's weakness, which our adversaries, Iran primarily in this case, but let's be clear, Russia and China also read as weakness uh, that's going to come back to haunt us, and I'm afraid sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, and that is really scary. And just as John said, it puts our, our troops in such a like a sitting duck position. And, and it that's makes not them good. feel like second class citizens. It's terrible. And it's yeah. so dangerous, too. Yeah. And, and and nobody fears us. It doesn't look like the Houthis fear us. It doesn't look like the <laughs> Iranians uh, fear us. Right. I and mean, it, it, it's one big mess. And uh, I think that this White House has made us look bad. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, look, it's it's why we don't have deterrence. If if our enemies feared that the cost to them would be far greater than any harm they inflict on us, 
They'd stay in bed in the morning. Yeah, they wouldn't right. do that to the Russians. The Russians would wipe them out in one step. Yeah, I can think of a couple others, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't the Chinese. Thank, thank you, yes. Ambassador. Thank you for... Uh, you, Glad to be with you. We'll talk to you again real soon. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to find out where's the economy going in 2024. We have with us Steve Moore, one of the country's leading economists. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And with us uh, right now is Stephen Moore, one of the uh, country's leading economists. And Steve, which way are we going? Good uh, afternoon, John, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Should we be buying stocks or selling them short? <laughs> well, look, uh, the market really closed the year up a lot. You know, we saw over ten percent that we were we were predicting. Yeah, and look, here's the thing. I mean, if you adjust for inflation since Biden's come in, there really haven't been many gains at all. It's been pretty flat. Uh, you know, the magnificent seven. The, you know, the uh, Googles and the Apples and the Amazons and the Microsofts and the Nvidia's have really carried the market. But now it seems to be a broader-based rally right now. And whether it can continue, I'm really reluctant to say, John, because remember this time last year, remember what all the economists are saying, oh, we're going to go into recession. Instead of a recession, the economy actually picked up steam. So I don't You I know don't why, Steve? Why, why is that? Because it's an election year, and the yeah. Democrats want $2.5 gasoline, they want yep. uh, a $40,000 uh, Dow Jones, and uh, uh, they want uh, a 4 or 5% uh, mortgage again. Well, And I guess what? <laughs> the I mean, the people in charge that. have the yeah. ability to push it that way. Well, they can, but the problem is if they, you know, if they put flush too much money into the economy, then you get inflation again. And so that's the conundrum. That yeah, the but that's is. after they get elected. Well, that, that may well be. You know, now, what do you now, think you on, the me, John, on the Supreme Court? On the Supreme Court, tell me that the that the uh, the Fed is political. I mean, I never thought I'd hear it said. Oh, uh, well, well, welcome to twenty twenty four. You're right, and and so this is the big issue: is whether the Fed will do everything they can to get Biden reelected. I don't. I can't answer that question. But I do say this: that I think you know. I'll, I'll give down, you a make believe. I'll give you a make believe discussion. So Blinken, okay, Blinken goes to the Saudi Arabia's, oh, we want $65 oil. Oh, the, the Saudi Arabians say, oh, we can't afford it. It's going to cost us a billion dollars. He says, don't worry. We'll give you a billion dollars someplace else. Well, you know, I mean, here's it's pretty clear one thing we should be doing as a country that almost every American, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent, should agree on is we should be drilling for every possible barrel of oil we can here in Texas and Oklahoma and 
West Virginia and Alaska and all of these states that have oil, Pennsylvania, it would be good for the economy, good for jobs. It would if reduce you get, our trade. If you get, well, uh, you, right now it closed, uh, uh, oil closed at 70 and a half. If you get it yep. down to 64, 65, you're going to have two and a half dollar gasoline. Well, do you think that, I mean, John, you're the oil expert. Do you think we can do that? I think they could force it that way, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, remember, it's a global market, and you know, there are global forces that affect these things. And, you know, what's happening in China and what's happening in Russia and all these countries really affect what happens with the, with the oil market. But, you know, look, everybody would love to see below $3 gallon gas. I mean, we're, right now, we're, uh, where I live, we're paying three forty nine a gallon. That's still a lot yeah. more than when Trump was president. It's a, a buck and a quarter more. And when Trump left office, we had two fifty a gallon gas. Well, tell us, tell us uh, uh, which way uh, are we going with electric vehicles? You know, I just wrote a column on this. I, I think the big story of 2023 that just ended is that the green energy bubble really burst. It, it didn't boom, it burst. You look at the, you know, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day that, you know, the four of the biggest new startup uh uh, you know, EV companies and battery companies went bankrupt in 2023. The stocks of the green stocks, uh, you know, if you look at the green index, that fell by, uh, you know, 25%, whereas all other stocks on average rose by 20%. So, uh, and then you look at, you know, you go to a, a new car showroom and they've got all the EVs and nobody wants to buy them. Only, only uh, 10% of new car sales are EVs right now. So, Americans are speaking with their wallet and they're saying, you know, many of them are saying we don't want EVs. And, John, I think you and I agree on this. We should have freedom of choice. Everybody should be able to buy whatever car they want. Buy whatever they want. Uh, Rudy Washington, deputy mayor under uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Steve, I want to change the direction because I I feel, you know, Republicans, basically, we don't only ones really talk about inflation. And the reality is nobody talks elementary enough or rudimentary enough for everyday man to understand the fact that, you know, when Trump turned over the economy to Biden, it was less than 2% uh, inflation. And, and, you know, now it jumps to 9%. And now we're starting a new year. I think it's important that the American listeners understand that, you know, those prices don't come down. So when we talk about that, yeah, go ahead. You're making a very important point. Because yesterday, uh, Biden said on national TV, he said, well, you know, prices are coming down. No, they're not. The rate of increase of prices is coming down. Exactly. But you're making a great point um, that, in fact, you know, everything is about 20 percent more expensive today. And whether it's gasoline, whether it's groceries, which are up by about 25 percent, whether it's people's mortgages, which right. are up by 40 percent. Restaurants. I'm reading here. Chick-fil-A has raised its prices more than 20 percent because of inflation. I mean, right. And, you know, they do that because they've had to because, you know, their input costs are rising. And, and, you know, this is why people are angry right now, because if you look at people's incomes relative to their uh, to their to the rate of inflation, most Americans have not made a penny since Biden's been in office. In fact, most Americans probably but, lost income. But Steve, and that puts people in a very bad mood on your show on Saturday. I think if you could just yeah. talk to everyday man. And, and, and explain to them that this is a cumulative effect that's that's impacting your wallet because nobody talks to everyday man that he could understand what you're they talking don't. about. Yeah, because people in Washington live in a big bubble, 
Correct. And, you know, I'm, I live in the bubble. We call it the, the Washington Beltway. And that's why people are, are frustrated when the president says, oh, the economy is doing so well. And a lot of Americans are saying, what country is he talking about? Has he been outside? Uh, you know, has he gone to Philadelphia? Has he gone to Wisconsin? Has he gone to North Dakota? Has he gone to real Has America? he gone to the grocery store? I'll settle for that. You know, you know I got to <laughs> tell you uh, that, uh, Rita, when uh, I was on a, sh- a Fox show the other day and I was saying, you know, oh, the inflation rate's three and a half percent. She literally, you know, after I was done, grabbed me by the arm and said, look, you're going to the grocery store with me and I'm going to show you what things cost. And. You know, eight dollars for a box of uh, Cocoa Krispies I mean, it used to be three fifty. Ground of beef was like six dollars a pound. It used to be two fifty nine a pound. So if yeah, you if right, you were in Manhattan, it'd be much more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, Steve Moore. Steve Moore, thank you for coming on, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Yeah, it's going to be a good twenty twenty four. I I think we're. It's we going to be a great twenty twenty four. And, uh, you know, you'll, we're gonna, they're going to prove Bidenomics works. There you go. <laughs> take care. They're going to keep and, telling uh, us Let's that. take a break. And when we come back from the break, uh, we have Joe Cairo. Uh, he's the chair of uh, the Republican Party in Nassau County. We're going to find out what the heck is going on in Nassau County. How is that congressional race? Then uh, we have uh, Congressman Lawler, who is going down to the borders tomorrow. Uh, with the speaker and John McLaughlin, McLaughlin on the latest polls. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we are back here on Cass and Cosby. And, of course, uh, all eyes on February 13th, the big race for the George Santos seat. Uh, and it is getting heated. And joining us now to talk about all of this is the chair of Nassau County GOP, Joe Cairo. Uh, Joe, uh, give us the scoreboard. Where is this race headed? Well, the race is well underway, as you know. You just stated February 13th is Election Day. And, of course, we have early voting, which starts on the 3rd and goes through the 11th. And, of course, you know, the absentee ballot program. So the race has uh, has taken on full force. The opposition started today, I believe, with broadcast news. And they were on some of the broadcast channels. There's total falsehoods being uh, put forth by uh, by the Democrats. They said that Mozzie Pillip, who is our candidate, our Republican and conservative candidate, for the congressional seat, that she supports uh, cutting Social Security, uh, that they talked about her raising taxes. Totally inaccurate. Mozzie is, uh, as uh, By you the know, way, Joe, I got to interrupt you. We saw the ad. Uh, my jaw dropped. It also said that she wants to cut law enforcement. And cut veterans. Uh, I mean, it, I, it, it could not be further a, a, of a misrepresentation. You got to fire back at that one. Well, we, we certainly are, and we certainly will. And today, Mike Deary, who is our uh, is our guy, volunteers on Mozzie's staff, and he's been with us, as you know, at Republican headquarters. He and several other volunteers have been involved trying to set the record straight in that regard. Uh, as you know, Mozzie, you, you may recall, uh, with the Patty Ryder, our police commissioner, and with the rest of the county legislature, which is Republican uh, majority, uh, Mozzie strongly supported and advocated adding more police in Nassau County. So the fact that she wants to cut cut the uh, police and and isn't concerned about public safety is just it's 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 ludicrous. It just has no basis whatsoever. Uh, you know, she's been a legislator for two years, elected in 2021 in a seat that since its inception, 
since the legislature was created in 1995. We never won that seat. She took it uh, away from a uh, a four-term incumbent up in the Great Neck area. She won by over 1,000 votes. And just this last November, she carried that district by over 4,000 votes. So she is um, she's well, she, a, a great a great person, and she's going to be a great congressperson. She's got everything going for her. A, she's a woman. B, she's black. C, she's, she's uh IDF. Uh, she's with I, the Israeli she Defense was, Forces. She used to be right. with the Israeli Defense Force. Uh, D, she's Jewish. She's got Joe Cairo uh, in her corner. And, 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 I mean, I mean, she's got everything going for her. She represents all parts of the community. You know, you know what? When people say, when they talk about the campaign and they talk about this election, the bottom line I always tell them, uh, whether it's the press or others who are, who are asking, we have the issues on our side, just as you just stated. We have the issues, whether it's inflation, taxes, the border, the cashless bail and safety here in Nassau County. The issues are with us. They're with the Republicans. They're with Mozzie. And the other thing is this. We're going to be out there knocking on doors. We've already started. The Democrats are going to pay people from maybe Stanford, Connecticut or Newark, New Jersey or, or other places to come in and to and to, to distribute literature. We're going to have neighbors knocking on neighbors doors. There's a feeling out there. People are fed up. They're disgusted. Many people feel that the world is upside down. And Mozzie is a fresh face. She stands for what is right, and what people believe in in Nassau County. That's why, as I think we've discussed before, uh, in a uh, in a an inter- in interviews, and if you look at the results, independents broke strongly for for Mozzie and for Republicans here in Nassau County. And it's not because uh, it, it's not solely because we have good candidates and we work hard. It's because the issues are with us. So you've got the traditional Democrats who perhaps came from Brooklyn or Queens years ago, civil service workers, policemen, firemen, who traditionally were Democrats in the city. You know, many uh, from the Irish community. They're with us now. And maybe they don't enroll as Republican, uh, but they but they vote Republican and the independents vote Republican. You know, it's interesting because in in 21, Bruce Blakeman and our team swept. We won all four uh, countywide elections. And then in 22, uh, we had a great year. And again, in 23. And let, let me just point out, if, if, if I may. Uh, we got another 30 seconds. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me tell you. 100,000 more Democrats in Nassau County than Republicans. Lee Zeldin carried the county by over 50,000 votes. Last year, overwhelming, overwhelming victories. We're on a roll because of the people we run, the organization that we have, the volunteers, and most importantly, because of the issues. February 13th, we're going to elect Mozzie to the Congress, and she'll represent all of the people of the 3rd Congressional. Joe Cairo, GOP chair of Nassau County, number one. Our country is being invaded. Nassau County, when they when they have an overrun from New York City, they're going to be sending them to Nassau County. We don't want invasion in Nassau County. Thank you so much, and keep us informed. We'll have you on again real soon. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Joe. And by the way, speaking of border, uh, tomorrow, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, is leading a big delegation to the border. Uh, we know what a huge threat an open border is causing. And joining us now is someone who's going down to the border, Congressman Mike Lawler. Uh, Congressman, tell us about how important this trip is right now. Uh, and by the way, just a few minutes ago, you probably heard this. Corinne Jean-Pierre repeated again. President Biden's doing everything he can to protect the border. I, I I keep wondering if she's drinking eggnog, if it's continuing past Christmas. But go ahead, Congressman. 
Uh, she must be continually drunk at the podium because I don't know how anyone can say that this administration is doing everything they can to secure the border. They're actually doing more to move people to a different location uh, than they are to actually stop them from coming into the country. It is totally insane. We are actually in San Antonio right now. We're going to be driving down to Eagle Pass tomorrow. And the administration has spent more time over the past week trying to move people out of Eagle Pass to avoid the press seeing uh, the volume of people crossing the border at Eagle Pass with Speaker Johnson and my colleagues and I being down here. It's totally insane. It is totally unsustainable. You've had nearly 10 million migrants cross the southern border since Joe Biden took office. New York City is crumbling under the pressure of it. And this has to do with the absolutely ridiculous policies that have been enacted. I've said many times, my wife is an immigrant. This is not about being against immigration. John, you're an immigrant. I am an immigrant, and I'm pro-immigration. But we want to make sure. immigrants to this country. Yes. They contribute to our economy, our culture, our communities. But we need to have a process. This process is fundamentally broken. It is shameful what this administration has allowed to occur. Uh, The the border has been overwhelmed. Uh, And the fact that they spend more time trying to pull the wool over uh, the eyes of the American people than they do to actually fix the problem is disgraceful. Yeah, it is. And uh, Rudy Washington. Rudy Washington. Congressman, um, a lot of people are not aware of the fact before the the, uh, invasion on New York City, they were flying people. And I don't know if your district comes all the way down into Westchester. I have I have Westchester County Airport. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were flying yep. them into your airport in the middle of the night, one, two o'clock in the morning, and putting them on buses and busing them out over the state. Uh it started that was happening long before the invasion into New York City. No question. Joe Joe Biden was doing these secret midnight flights into Westchester County Airport. Uh, long before Governor Abbott or Governor DeSantis or any of these southern state uh, folks were sending migrants into New York City. Right. And you'll recall Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul said, we welcome everybody. We're a sanctuary city. Everybody can come. And then they're shocked and and overwhelmed by the fact that they're taking in, you know, over 100,000 migrants in a year. Uh, but the reality is, this is what happens when you have disastrous policies. And, and what the sanctuary city policies need to end. The right to shelter policy being interpreted to provide shelter to illegal immigrants needs to end. And what really bothers me is that, you know, mainstream media and press will not report the fact that everything that Governor Abbott tries to do, the Justice Department sues him. You know, you know they, they deliberately stopping Texas from securing their own borders. Yeah, they put the buoys up. Right. They sue them. Now right. they're going to maybe sue. They say they're going to sue them over this new law, they, you like, know, to cross like, the border. Like I said, they, they spend more time, effort, and money trying to allow illegal immigrants into the country than they do trying to secure our border. And our press do not that point have, that out. They do not point okay. it out. The press do not point that out. And that's what really bothers me. You know, well, we're looking at the destruction of our country. Hour. And nobody's speaking on it. They're being mute and, and allowing it to happen. I don't understand why. And I've been asking people, explain to me why this is going on and how this helps Americans. You yes. Know? And the, 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 the fact that you had 50 migrants uh, sent to Martha's Vineyard 
And that caused a state of emergency. Yeah, it lasted uh, like 24 hours, right? Remember, they moved them. Oh, no. (laughs) They moved them within 24 hours to Cape Cod because they couldn't handle it. That that epitomizes the absurdity of all of this. And I'll just say, you know, we're going to be down at the border tomorrow. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, with the Border Patrol agents uh, and local officials and really having a, a discussion about, uh, what they have been dealing with uh, for years, and, and videotape is, some of those some of those discussions so we, that we can replay them in New York. Yeah, please no, do. No, no question. You know, look. We, the fact is that this has been going on for years. It needs to end. We need to secure our border. We need to fix our our broken immigration system so that people who want to come here and contribute to our economy can do so and do so legally. But there needs to be a process. Yeah, you, and it starts by securing the border. It starts by stopping this massive influx. By the way, it's not just the the massive influx of migrants. It's drugs, fentanyl pouring into our community. Seventy thousand Americans died last yeah, year. Yeah, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. You know, Congressman. Before we let you go, I, one place you also have to go by when you're going to Eagle Pass tomorrow, you got to talk to the head of the fire department in Eagle Pass because he was just being interviewed a little bit ago. I couldn't believe he was on camera and he was saying they are so backlogged right now because they're right there on the front lines where you're going to be tomorrow. And he said they can't even do basic fire calls because they're getting so many emergency calls because of the migrants that, you know, maybe a migrant falls, a migrant, you know, whatever it is. But that even in the hospitals there, they can't even get in the front door of the hospital sometimes for half an hour, for an hour. That is so dangerous for everybody. This crisis is overwhelming our communities. It is having a, uh, a drastic impact on taxpayers. You look at our emergency services. New York City is threatening to cut police, fire, EMS services, all because they're paying for free housing, free clothing, free health care, free education uh, for illegal immigrants. No other way to say it. a crisis across the country. Joe Biden should be ashamed of himself for what he has allowed to happen. And it is the responsibility of Congress to act. House Republicans passed H.R. 2 back in May. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader from New York, has done absolutely nothing. New Yorkers need to call Chuck Schumer and demand action. I hope Congress doesn't allow... Before we close, I hope Congress doesn't allow anything to happen uh, on the budget until they close the borders. Yeah, they got to set we've their made priorities. It, we've, made it very, we've made it very clear. The, the, the president's request for a supplemental funding will not happen unless there is border security. Chuck Schumer needs to get his act together and secure our border. It is disgraceful what Chuck Schumer has allowed to happen to New York and this country. And, uh, Congressman, you hold fast. Thank you very much. And if you get some videos and stuff, send it our way. Uh, and we'd love to have your reaction after you go down to visit the border. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're coming back with John McLaughlin. Some and stunning polls. We want to know what's going on. Well, last week we had the New Hampshire GOP guy. We had the Iowa GOP guy. What's going on in all these polls? What's the real numbers? Let's take that break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, some big polls uh, that are showing that Joe Biden is losing. And this is a USA Today poll uh, with Hispanics losing in the African-American category and also with young voters. Those are all key voting blocks, of course, for Joe Biden. Where does that stand? And what about Iowa, New Hampshire joining us as one of the best pollsters in the world out there? John McLaughlin. He is, of course, with McLaughlin and Associates. John, uh, do you believe this USA Today poll? Well, Happy New Year, Rita. Uh, yes, to, to an extent, because uh, they they have Trump ahead, and most polls are showing that. But they have a third choice, which is unnamed, so it looks closer. But then when they put in, like, other candidates, like Kennedy is a third party, he gets 10%, and Trump's lead winds to 3%. So it's matching up with all the other polls. And like our December poll right before Christmas, we had Trump ahead of Biden, 47-44. And you're seeing all these media polls that have Trump ahead in the battleground states, and Joe Biden with a very high disapproval rating. So, uh, uh, you know, you and John, John talked about it over the weekend, did great New Year's coverage, covering for a lot of people on his own station, and Rudy's there. So you're seeing it in all these polls. And, uh, you know, uh, you just had uh, uh, a, a friend of ours, Mike Lawler, the congressman on. He's down the border. He's in the border uh, in Texas because the number one uh, issue in New York State and the suburbs is immigration. And like you had Joe Cairo on, Mike Deary to talk about, uh, he talks about Mike Deary, the, the doing the campaign for Mozzie Pillip. The number one issue in that race is immigration, the border. I mean, it, it, you've got New York is inundated. And you and John have covered this with what's going on, where Biden is really making a mess of the country and Donald Trump's ahead. And uh, we, you know, they're doing everything they can to pull out the stops to beat him. I mean, in. The spending in December in Iowa, uh, Haley's campaign and her super PAC have spent $12 million on TV, radio, and cable in, in wow. Iowa. And Ron DeSantis has spent $10 million in Iowa battling for second place. Now, Trump, the campaign, we only spent like uh, $3.3 million, But, you know, we're still ahead in the polls right before Christmas. They had Donald Trump and the average on Real Clear Politics. They had 51 to DeSantis, 19, and Haley, 16. Although I will tell you, with the spending and what I'm seeing, she's probably coming in second in Iowa. And and Governor DeSantis is in a tough place because he's fifth or sixth in New Hampshire. What, what so, do you think, John, by the way, um, Vivek uh, pulled out his ads on the flip side. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who uh, it looks like he's going down in the polls. You can see on all the Real Clear average. Uh, but he said, OK, no more ads, essentially TV ads, at least in Iowa, New Hampshire. What do you see happening after Iowa? What do you see happening after um, New Hampshire? Also, you've got, of course, South Carolina, Nevada, then there's Super Tuesday. Where do you see things if things stay the same? We don't know, of course, but if there's no surprises. Well, right now, like I'm, I'm an old uh, disciple of Arthur Finkelstein, and he was a, a conservative pollster for yeah. Al D'Amato and George Pataki. And there was always a battle between the conservative grassroots of the party and the D.C. establishment. And Karl Rove and others have been lobbying on behalf of getting a two-way race. And they're going to get the two-way race. It's going to be Donald Trump representing the conservative grassroots of the party and the, and the MAGA movement against the D.C. establishment. And you've seen this with Nikki Haley last week where she got, she got ambushed by a question about what caused the Civil War. And she was given a political answer. She never mentioned slavery. That was, was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being facetious. <laughs> right. 
And then you get a, kid, a nine-year-old kid the next day says to her, you're the new John Kerry. I mean, you know, so you've got the establishment tried to bank on uh, Ron DeSantis, and he burned through $269 million and fell from second place now where he's fifth or sixth in, in New Hampshire, and he'll be third in Iowa. And, uh, you know, and then it'll be a race between Trump and Nikki Haley. And she's, you know, she's got positions, whether it's, you know, the, uh, she wants to, she, she at one point supported a national sales tax. She raised the gas tax in, in uh, South Carolina. She opposed Trump with the border wall. I mean, you've got her positions are at odds with the majority of the Republicans and the, and the, the heart of the party, the grassroots. So like with Reagan, like with George W. Bush, uh, like with Donald Trump in 2016, it's a battle for the soul of the Republican Party and the future of the country. And uh, we can't lose this time because we've got Biden on the ropes. We have to beat Joe Biden. That's the key thing. Well, a lot of people are just not telling the truth on the other side. I, I just can't believe how they can just go come out and just not not tell the truth. You mean Mallorca saying the border is secure, that that's a lie? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's incredible. They keep repeating it. Over and over again. Oh, Bionomics is working. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right, right. I I mean, there's a lot to combat, John. John, thank you so much for, uh, you know, whatever you're doing to help America. God bless you and God bless America. Well, you did a great job over the weekend. You kept my faith listening on New Year's Eve. You did a great job, John. I think I think your other de- your other hosts have to be worried about their ratings because I I don't know if they're going to be as good as yours were over the weekend. So. It is. It's tough to compete with that. That that's a superstar. <laughs> Thank you, John. And you know what we all stand for, John? Yeah, you got to join us, John, for this one. Ready? Right? Wait, wait, wait! You can't you can't preempt us. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America.